Hello, everyone, and thank you once again for listening to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet. This week's episode is a warning. It's a warning to tell you that there are plots and plans against you. As we all know, the Bible tells us from the very beginning that the snake was the most subtle beast in the garden. In Genesis 3 and 1, it reads from the Amplified Version, Now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. The serpent Satan said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? To say that the serpent was more crafty and subtle means that he was crude, cunning, and devious. He was sly, tricky, calculating, and as the Amplified Version says, he was skilled in deceit. Basically, it gives us the understanding that he was not to be trusted. It means that in everything he did, there was always a hidden agenda and a plot to his advantage with the end thereof always being to our disadvantage. The plots and plans of Satan are invariably designed with the final results being to the detriment of the people of God. And that's you and me. That's just simply who he is, deceitful, crafty, sly, and cunning. And we all know the expression, a leopard cannot change his spots. How many of us remember the old song from the 60s, The Snake? As the song goes, the woman sees a snake that's dying from the cold. In the song, the snake asks the tender-hearted woman to take him in. He convinces her through appealing to her tender heart to bring him to her fire, and she does. She embraces and strokes him, even complimenting him on his beauty. But then he bites her, knowing that his venom is deadly. She cries out, oh, you bit me, and now I'm going to die. She goes on to ask him, after her doing what he asked her to do, why would he bite her? As the song goes on, the snake responds, Oh, shut up, silly woman, said that reptile with a grin. You knew darn well I was a snake before you brought me in. A snake is going to do what a snake does. And so it is with the enemy, Satan. He's going to do what he does, and that's to trick, deceive, and lie to the people of God. He can't and he won't change his ways. Satan spoke to the woman in the garden and he still tries to speak to us today. The difference is that we have been warned and taught not to listen. We have been forewarned and informed of his plots and plans against us. But there's always that flesh faction that wants to give in to the sound of his voice. I remember years ago when God spoke to me and said, Beatrice, it's so amazing how my children can so easily hear and obey the voice of Satan, but have such a hard time hearing mine. 
Selah. Our father went on to teach me in that season that the reason for this is because Satan speaks to the flesh, whereas our father, God, he speaks to our spirits. Flesh is so much more open and conducive to hearing and embracing the things of Satan as opposed to our spirits hearing and obeying the things of God. These are definitely some of the facts that the body of Christ should pause and think about. It has always been that way from the fall of Eve in the garden until now. God is telling me to warn his sons and daughters that a time is coming quickly, that the enemy is launching his attacks against us and will try to speak to us in ways that are appealing, subtle, and deceitful, just as the snake spoke to Eve in the garden and as it did in the song to the woman. Be warned, my sisters and brothers, and don't listen to his lies. Satan's ultimate goal is to take us into captivity. He uses temptations that sound exciting, inviting, or even desired by those he tempts. He tempts our young people into joining gangs, stealing, and fighting. For some Christians, it might be with gambling. They're gambling on a sure thing where they're so positive that they can't lose, but once they take that chance, they're taken captive. Are they about to gamble on the chance that if they commit adultery that they won't get caught? What about taking a chance on doing drugs that one time betting that they won't get hooked? How many times have I heard people say that they only intended to do it that once but that one time got them hooked. For some, it could be that shopping addiction, buying things that you really don't need or any number of things that the enemy is baiting you with. But once we listen to the lies and deceptions of the enemy, we're taken into his captivity, sometimes for the rest of our lives. And remember, when he speaks, it's always in that very cunning, conniving, and convincing way. His attempt is to totally drown out the voice of the Holy Ghost who's warning you not to listen to his lies. The enemy even knows how to speak to us in ways that will cause one to believe that they actually deserve the negative things that will occur in their lives. He wants us to think that it's God's will for us to be punished. Listen to the way the enemy of Judah spoke to them with his end goal being one of defeat and captivity for God's people. In Isaiah 36, 7 through 10, in the New International Version, it reads, But if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are dependent on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this land without the Lord? 
The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. That was a lie. God had never given such an order. If I had a dollar for every time someone said that the Lord told them to do something that God had absolutely nothing to do with, I'd be a rich woman. We must know how to hear our Father's voice and not be persuaded by the lies and tricks of the enemy. Although we are all praying, there are still those who are already under attack by the enemy. Some have even been fasting so that you will hear the voice of our Father concerning certain matters in your life. However, still for others, the only voice that they're hearing is that of the enemy. If you think, feel, or believe that you're hearing Satan's voice or even your own flesh, then put that flesh under subjection and speak to your spirit man to rise up and receive the things of God. Speak to the Holy Ghost and give him permission to speak to your spirit as he desires. In this particular chapter of Isaiah, the enemy had marched right up to the walls of Judah, the very walls that had been built to protect them from the enemy and was speaking loud and clear for all to hear. Satan will come up to the very walls that our Father has placed around us to guard and protect us in his attempts to deceive us into captivity. Our walls are not down and we're still wearing the full armor of God, but that doesn't mean that the enemy won't try to attack. The enemy army said to Judah at that time, just what he's saying to us right now. And yes, we are depending on the Lord, our God. Yes, you are. And yes, we are. We are depending on the Lord, our God, and he will not abandon us. We are trusting in the true and living God, the Lord who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. We're trusting in the God who will never leave nor forsake us. And yet, and yet the enemy is saying things to you to us that would want us to doubt that trust. He will tell you what you've done wrong. He'll say that decisions you've made in the past were mistakes and that you've actually stepped out of the will of God. He wants us to feel that God is not on our side and that he has sent the enemy against us. Not so. Even if that were true, even if we have stepped out of his will, but because of his mercy and grace, he still hears us when we call. It is not the will of our father that we be destroyed by the enemy. In 2 Samuel 24, the Lord was angry with Israel. He incited David to take a census of his army. That would mean that David was depending on the strength of his army rather than the strength of God. It would mean that David trusted in his army rather than trusting in God. In doing this, David sinned against God. God sent Gad, the seer, to give David the choice of his chastisement. 
The king recognized his sin and admitted his foolishness. In 2 Samuel 24, 14, it reads, David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. David knew that God's mercy is great. And even though the Lord has sent the plague against Israel, at that time, he did not send his people into captivity. And why not? Because David repented before God in total humbleness. Let it be understood that even though David sinned in this matter, his covenant with the Father was not broken. Our covenant with God is not that weak and fragile. It's continued sin, continued disobedience and rebellion against the word of God that breaks our covenant with him. One sin, one misjudgment or wrong decision, especially when we repent in humbleness and true regret, allows for God's great mercy and his even greater grace to be shown. It's only when we refuse to acknowledge our sin are we in danger of a broken covenant. In the 17th verse of 2 Samuel 24, it reads, When David saw the angel who was striking down the people, he said to the Lord, I have sinned. I, the shepherd, have done wrong. These are but sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. Although David sinned as a king, he humbled himself and repented as a shepherd. It was not the will of God that they be taken captive. It wasn't his will then and his, it's not his will now. But this is what the enemy of God's people desires to do. He wants to take us into captivity with his lies and deceit. And this is the purpose of the attacks, the plots, and the plans that he will be bringing against the people of God very soon. In the 14th verse of Isaiah 37, it reads that the commander of the enemy king said, this is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Our father is saying to us today, who we cannot allow to deceive us. Satan wants to take our trust from God, but we shall not be tricked or misled by the words he tries to speak to us. It's our choice whether we will listen to Satan or God. We must always, always trust in the Lord our God. It's not a matter that God won't lie to us. It's just a fact that he can't lie to us. God cannot lie, which also means that he cannot deceive or trick us. 
read his word. There is nowhere where he has ever lied to or deceived his sons and daughters. As in the 16th verse, again the enemy says to the people of God, do not listen to Hezekiah. The same way the enemy wanted the people to stop listening to the voice of their king, Hezekiah, he wants us to stop listening to the voice of our king of kings. He wants us to stop listening to and hearing the voice of God. If we take our focus from what our father is speaking, then we'll place that focus on what the enemy is saying. Of course, Satan will speak what we want to hear, words that offer peace and comfort. But can there ever be true peace when it's offered from the enemy? In that same 16th verse, again, the enemy speaks to Judah saying, This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Let's understand that in order for Judah to receive what the enemy offered, they needed to come from behind the very walls that were protecting them. They needed to leave from their places of safety and security. We must understand that when we give in to the lies of Satan, we've left from under the defense and protection of God. The enemy says, be at peace with him. He'll speak words of prosperity, the very prosperity that our Father wants us to have. But the enemy will convince us to bargain with him in order to receive it. When the king of Assyria spoke those words to Judah, what he was actually saying was that he would bring them from a place where they were living in freedom into a place of captivity. This is exactly what the enemy wants to do to us today by promising us the very things we desire. Make peace with me, the enemy says, until I come and take you. Exactly. Until he comes and takes us, takes us into captivity and bondage. I must say again, my sisters and brothers, be aware, be warned. The enemy is plotting and planning against the people of God to take us into captivity. We cannot under any circumstances bargain and negotiate with the enemy because when we bargain and negotiate with Satan, it means that we've broken our covenant with God. This is how the enemy becomes successful at bringing the people of God into captivity. Remember, when kings cut covenant, it was saying that if the enemy attacked one king, the other king whom he had cut covenant with would come and fight for him. This is what it meant when Jonathan gave his sword to David. It was saying that David's enemies would then be Jonathan's enemies. 
that was up to and including Jonathan's own father, Saul. When we cut covenant with God, our enemies are his enemies and his enemies are ours. Satan is the enemy of God and he's our enemy as well. When we begin to have conversations with the enemy, we are literally discussing the terms of our surrender. In the 21st verse of that same chapter of Isaiah 36, it reads, But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded, Do not answer him. There are just certain times that we should realize that we cannot answer the taunts of the enemy. Don't say a word to him, but keep our hearts, minds, and spirits one with the Father. If Eve had not answered the serpent in the garden, he would not have been able to deceive her. Stop conversing with the enemy as well as flesh. Let me be honest with you. This may seem like a very simple and very basic message, but I know without a doubt that there's someone, perhaps several people who need to hear this right now. Stop listening to the words of the enemy. Stop listening to his lies. Stop bargaining with him and don't even consider his offers. His plan is to take you, your family, and every good thing pertaining to you into captivity so that you'll never see the blessings that our Father has in store for you. In 1 Kings 20, Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, attacked Samaria. He sent word to Ahab, the king of Israel, and said, Your silver and gold are mine, and the best of your wives and children are mine. Now, what I find absolutely mind-boggling is the fact that Ahab agreed. He said in response, Just as you say, my lord the king, I and all I have are yours. But Ben-Hadad just like the enemy today, wasn't satisfied with that answer. We all know the expression, if you give the enemy an inch, he'll want a mile. Then Hadad sent word again to Ahab say, and said, this time tomorrow, I am going to send my officials to search your palace and the houses of your officials. They will seize everything you value and carry it away. There are certain things in my home that if they break, I wouldn't be totally upset about. If I dropped a glass jelly jar or even a glass that I purchased from Walmart, I wouldn't be totally upset. On the other hand, I still have things, old things with actually no monetary value that my children and grandchildren made for me when they were in kindergarten and first grade. These items are dear and precious to me. If something happened to them, I would be devastated. When Ben-Hadad demanded Ahab's wives and children, he agreed. However, when the demand came for what he valued, 
It was only then that he drew the line and was willing to go into battle. Ahab went to war and even with him being a wicked king, God gave him the victory and he won. The question today is, what do you truly value? How precious is your relationship with the Father? What are you willing to allow the enemy to demand of you? What are you willing to give him to let him have just so that you can have your peace and comfort? I can assure you, whatever you give, it will never be enough and Satan will always, always come for what you truly value. He wants your true treasures, your marriage, your family, your children, your health, your prosperity, and more than anything else, he wants your intimacy with the Father. But he can only take these things if you let him. As stated earlier, don't listen to the enemy. Remember, He's literally standing outside of your walls of protection. Even when it doesn't feel like it, God has you guarded and surrounded and covered by the blood of the Lamb. Never ever forget that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn for such is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and your righteousness is of him. Don't allow the enemy to convince you to bargain with him and in so doing, break your covenant with the Father. Stand strong. Prepare for the attacks that the enemy will bring before it reaches you. Know that he's coming and just as Uzziah, Jehoshaphat, and Hezekiah built cisterns, reinforced and repaired the walls of Judah in preparation for a for attack from their enemies, so should we repair, restore, and build up the areas of our lives and spirits that are torn down and weak before the attacks that Satan will bring against us arise. Don't wait until the attacks against you start. Prepare now and stand strong. Don't converse with the enemy and don't listen to his lies. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This is the Voice of the Prophet. I ask that each of you would share this podcast with others and always remember that it's available for listening on every podcast server and app. I continue to ask you for your support through your prayers. You can contact me through my email at amiteagle at charter.net. That's A-M-I- T-E-E-A-G-L-E at charter.net and through the Facebook post or Facebook messenger. Thank you again for your prayers and support and may God bless each and every one of you.